What should we expect from Colton Wong in his first season with the Mariners? How good can Cal Raleigh be after his breakout season? We'll answer all that and more on today's infield preview. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Padnode for the Lockdown Mariners podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon by scanning the QR code above my head. The link as well as our social accounts is also in the description below. Today's season preview for the 2023 Mariners will focus on their catchers and infielders. We'll be going around the diamond discussing each individual player set to make the team and any others who could factor into the equation at some point this year. And Colby, we got to start behind the plate with one Cal Raleigh, the man that ended the Mariners drought, the one they call Big Dumper. And it was a really interesting 2022 season for Cal because he starts the year on the big league club, struggles at first after not a great 2021 season either, gets sent down. Tom Murphy gets hurt almost immediately after. Raleigh only gets a few games down in AAA, gets called right back up, and somehow, some way, he's a completely different player going on to slash 211, 284, 489 with a 121 WRC+. plus. That was a 4.2 F4 season. He was fantastic behind the plate, gold glove nominee, and showed how just how tough he was towards the end of the season, playing through pretty much his, his thumb being half broken off, catching 18 innings in game three of the ALDS, having a, a great series in Toronto during the wild card. He goes on to hit 27 home runs in the regular season with 63 RBI. So my question for you here to to kick things off is what are your expectations for Raleigh now that he's broken out? Do you think this is who he is now and and this is what we can expect? This is the kind of player that we can expect out of Cal Raleigh? Yes. I think there's a little bit more in the tank even. Um, mm. you know, again, because second time through the league. Uh, should be a little healthier this time around. Uh, I also think having, you know, Tom Murphy, a legitimate backup catcher uh, to take some pressure off of him so he doesn't have to catch 120 games this year. I, I think that's also going to help his overall numbers. Um, when you look at the numbers, you know, 30% strikeout rate, that's a little bit higher than you would like, but, you know, almost 10% walk um, and the home run and the power uh, is is more than making up for some strikeout concerns. Uh, I don't know if, if Raleigh's ever going to be a, a 270 guy, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we look up in September and he's hitting, you know, 240, 320, 500 with, you know, 25, 30 uh, big flies and and just kind of managing this pitching staff and and is another finalist for the gold glove. I, I, I think Raleigh's a guy who we could look up in, you know, game 162 and, and he's a five, six win player. And, yeah. uh, we're talking about him as legitimately the best catcher in, in major league baseball. Um, I think that's the ceiling for Cal right now. We'll see. He's had a pretty good spring. Um, it, it doesn't really mean much, but the approach looks the same. This is a guy who had clean up for a playoff team in the playoffs last year uh, and looked pretty good doing it. He had a really mm -hmm. big postseason. So, uh, I think, you know, 
I don't want to say sky's the limit because there is a limit to Cal Raleigh, but I think this is a guy who's going to make multiple all-star teams. And I think that could start this year. I do uh, too. And who yeah. knows, maybe even, you know, mess around and, and get a couple of uh, MVP votes for his, for his time. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to look up in uh, November and see that Raleigh at least, you know, finished top 15 in MVP voting, you know, yeah. top 10 in MVP voting potentially. I think he can get some votes because that's such a premium position and because he can hit and he can hit and he can hit for a lot of power. And I and I think that there's more left in the tank in terms of getting the on base up, getting the average up a little bit. You know, I don't think he's going to be a high average guy, but I think Raleigh there's a 230-240 season in here for Raleigh. And I think he can get it on base at a, you know, 310, 315-ish clip. That's pretty good for a catcher because, like, you look at the average hitting numbers for for catchers around the league, they're nowhere close to that. So you're in pretty rare territory if Raleigh gets to that kind of level. And I think that can start now because, I mean, he was pretty much that guy in the second half of the season, uh, especially towards the postseason. He just got better and better and better as the year went along. And it's really exciting to see, you know, uh, if he's able to kind of pick up where he left off to start to start the year because that would be uh, that would be a huge boon. Uh, for the Mariners to uh, to kick things off here. So you mentioned Tom Murphy, and now you know we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, he left yesterday's for us uh, game uh, against the Brewers with a left forearm strain. So we, I don't think we have any more information on that unless I missed something. Okay, um, but uh, for now we'll we'll still assume that he's going to make the opening day roster. This would be huge if he can, because I mean he was really good uh last year obviously only played 14 games uh but slash 303 439 455 with a 168 wrc plus he was worth half a win in just 14 games uh, he was fantastic um had a home run uh, and also even had a, a pretty good spring uh leading into the start of the year as well and uh, he's had a an okay spring as he's you know trying to get his legs back under him you know this is a serious injury that he's recovering from shoulder surgery all that um he's looked fine behind the plate uh but this would be massive for the mariners like you said and massive for cal raleigh to uh to give him a blow you know more often than he was able to last year because he was catching a lot towards the end of the season and was catching a lot while hurt and so if you have someone like murphy who could start legitimately for a lot of teams in major league baseball right now if he's healthy you have one of if not the best catching situations in all of baseball right colby it's it's hard to think of anybody who is better situated assuming both of those guys are healthy at the catcher position obviously there's some you know the uh the blue jays certainly have uh an argument there yeah. Um, and then the teams with like the one top elite catcher, the the Dodgers with Will Smith and the Phillies with Real Muto, like mm-hmm. their backup doesn't have to be all that good to be in that Orioles conversation. With yeah. Right. Yeah. They they pretty much carry the top end, but if we're just mm-hmm. talking about best catching situations, assuming health, um, across major league baseball, the Mariners are right there because, you know, it's it's not ridiculous to think that Cal could put up, you know, a four and a half, five win season and yeah. that Tom Murphy even as a you know, a number two who only gets, you know, 250, 300 plate appearances could still put up a win and a half, maybe two wins, uh, especially if you use them against lefties uh, pretty exclusively. So, and I mean, Cal uh, was worth 4.2 F4 last year, despite yeah. April essentially being a wash for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so there, there's a lot of upside there in terms of what he can be value wise. And, um, you know, I think if if we see a full year of what he did in the second half of 2022, MVP votes are coming. He's making an all-star team. Like that's just yeah. 
that's the kind of guy that he was to, to end the year. So that's really exciting. Let's talk about Cooper Hummel as well, because he's likely making this roster. Uh, he's the third catcher. Um, if Murphy makes it, uh, you you're not a you're not a fan of that idea. Uh, Hummel's also played some corner outfield here in the spring. Um, we'll see, you know, kind of what their plan would be for him if there are any catching days for Hummel. Uh, but he's had a, a really good spring at the plate, uh, 11 for 33. So he's he's had a hit and, you know, a third of his at-bats so far in, in spring uh, as of Tuesday, of course. Uh, four home runs, seven RBI. He had a triple. He's had a couple doubles. Really good spring uh, for him. Obviously acquired in the uh, the Kyle Lewis deal with the Diamondbacks earlier this offseason. So, you know, there isn't a lot to go off of, but Hummel's someone that's dominated pretty much every level of the minor leagues. He's proven it, you know, down there. Um, it just hasn't worked for him at the at the major league level. I know you're generally unimpressed with uh, with him, but uh, could, could you maybe dive into that a, a little bit and just what do you think about Hummel overall? I wouldn't say I'm unimpressed, but, uh, you know, the dude does have 13 strikeouts this sure. spring as well, so... Uh, I just I don't think this guy is special. Um, mm. You know, I, I think he's probably destined to just kind of be a four A guy. Uh, but there are some tools here. You know, he does have some pop. He does produce at the minor league level. Uh, you can put him behind the plate at catcher, but like you could do the same with Luis Torrens. Do you feel great about it? Not really. Um, but there is some athleticism. There is some foot speed. So uh, there's definitely tools here. But the guy's 28 years old. Right, he's not 25, 26. He's 28, uh, and he's just never really put it together at the big league level. Now, granted, it hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunities, but yeah, fair point. How many opportunities is he going to get with the Mariners? Right, it's it, it just one of those things where where is he going to get his at bats early? Who is he taking those at bats away from? And can he produce at the big league level? I don't know if you can find all that out and still be a competitive team, unless you think Cooper Hummel is going to be, you know, a, a major league average hitter. Um, and I'm not sold that the strikeout numbers are still really high for me. Uh, this spring he's got, you know, Oh, for four with three strikeouts written all over him. If you try and overuse him and overexpose him, uh -huh. but you never know, you know, sometimes these guys pop, sometimes it's, you know, the, the extreme example is always Mitch Hanniger. Um, although Hanniger wasn't 28, but, yeah. uh, but you know, there's always guys like Dylan Moore and, 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 you know, even if you want to dream a little bit bigger, Josh Donaldson as guys who right. really tore up triple a, didn't really figure it out in the big leagues until kind of late in their uh, career. And, and so maybe Hummel's that guy, but for me, mm. he's an emergency catcher, not the third catcher. And he's an outfielder who probably don't want to play all that much, but, I, I'm willing to give him a couple weeks to see if maybe you found something. His opponent quality per baseball reference this spring, 7.3, which is essentially double A level. So right. and take the crush double A. Yeah. And take the, so, so that means, you know, take the success that he's had with a grain of salt here. Um, it's, it's certainly not nothing, you know, it's good to see that he's taken advantage of, of those opportunities that he is, you know, crushing mm -hmm. that level of pitching. Uh, but it's going to be a different, you know, animal when he goes up against major league caliber pitchers night in and night out. So I'm in, I'm intrigued. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's some, you know, legitimate pop there and he can hit from both sides of the plate. Like that's, I, I'm a sucker for switch hitters. So <laughs> I'm in, I, I'm always intrigued by that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I don't I don't expect a lot out of Cooper Hummel, but uh, I would be more than happy to be surprised by him. All right, so we're going to look at Ty France and J.P. Crawford and A. Eugenio Suarez and the newcomer Colton Wong here in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And while the Mariners have officially sold out of tickets for opening day, you can still make it to the ballpark and watch Luis Castillo versus Shane Bieber for as low as $30 on the Game Time app right now. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use promo code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem promo code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you again for making us your first listen as we preview the mariners infield for the 2023 season ty france was a guy that keeps on getting hurt <laughs> got hurt a couple times this past year uh not really of his fault especially the the play in oakland down at first base uh, but he did get hurt uh, and he um, was really really rough to watch in the second half of 2022 which is sad because he was incredible in the first half of 2022 ends up making his first all-star game but the overall numbers could have been a lot better than they were and these overall numbers still look pretty good and that just is a testament to how good he was in the first half 274 338 436 with a 126 wrc plus 2.4 f4 with 20 home runs 83 rbi and 140 games he ends up only missing 22 games but really the injuries impacted him so severely at the plate and it kind of felt like they ended up rushing him back a little too soon and he was just fighting through it and he even said as much uh, during his pre spring training interviews that he did with uh, I believe Root Sports or maybe 710 one of those um so i mean the key here for france this year is is one stay healthy now considering how much he crowds the plate and how much he you know how often he's led the league and hit by pitches that's going to be a tall task um but again I mean, these overall numbers could have looked a lot better. He was hovering around, you know, a 320 batting average for a while there in the first half of 2022. So health aside, we we know that, right? We know, like, if Ty France stays healthy, there should be a pretty good season in his future here. But what are your expectations for France in 2023? I, again, assuming health, I think we're going to see a little more power. He started to show that last year and then, wrist elbow like it's really hard to hit home runs when you know this isn't a hundred percent there's so much going on there's so much uh torque being put on your your hands and your wrists when you're hitting that it really it does sap you of power and that's why when a guy you know breaks a handmate bone or whatever you pretty much know that it's you know he's probably not going to get regain his power in that year uh he'll still hit some home runs but it, it's going to be sap I think assuming how France will hit somewhere between 25 to 30 home runs, probably on the lower end. Um, but I think the on-base percentage is going to go up. Ty France made a lot of poor swing decisions trying to compensate uh, for his injury that 
for whatever reason, Scott Service and, and Ty France himself downplayed all year and said, nope, it's not it's not the injury when everybody knew it was because Ty France is way too good of a hitter to be as bad as he was in the second half. So while I don't think you're going to get first half Ty France for an entire season, mm-hmm. I do think that the Ty France you get in 2023, assuming health, will be a lot closer to the first half tie than, than second half tie and and that was a guy who was hitting lots of doubles lots of home runs getting on base mm-hmm. um so I, I i'm still really confident that that france is going to put up a really good season um i don't think he's ever going to be you know vlad jr at first base or anything like that or prime joey Votto, or he's not going to be any of that but he should still be an above average first baseman i think the defense will actually be a little bit better this year too uh, he just you know he don't be afraid to dive out to, to bail out a little bit every yeah. once in a while um, because Ty France over 140 games healthy is probably pushing 300 with a 360 on base and, and whatever right. you get power wise, 25 home runs, 30 doubles. I, I'd love slugs, to see 25 like bombs out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that this year. Um, and you know, if you have to sacrifice a little bit of average and maybe a little bit of the K percentage to do that, fine. You know, obviously you don't want to become modern day Mitch Haniger and just outright sell for power. But yeah, <laughs> not to not to you to can't go back say to that. bad things about ta- about Mitch Haniger. It's I against know. the rules. He's in San Francisco now. I can say what I want. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I I expect to. Uh, you know, as long again, as long as he stays healthy, and that's the thing that we have to say. But as long as he stays healthy, I, I expect pretty big things out of France this year. Um, he's gonna—he's a guy that's gonna get on base a lot, and um, and I'm really interested to see if the the power uh, improvement that we saw over the last year is real, and if he can get to that 25 home run mark. Because I think that France could end up hitting 30 bombs one season. I don't know if that's something that you can do consistently, but I think, but I could see him doing that one of these years here. So uh, if, if we see that start to gradually increase again this year, uh, I, th- I think we're well on our way to seeing that. And so, you know, I, really the other thing too that I'm really interested to see is just kind of where he fits in this lineup, right? Because there's a bunch of different places that you could hit him right now. Uh, you could hit him three, you could hit him two, you could hit him five, you could even hit him six if you wanted to. And I think that would be fine. We've talked about the batting order in the past and that the first six guys, I think you all feel really good about um, and deploying in, in a multitude of ways. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it, if he's a big on base guy again, you know, then he he should probably be hitting two behind Julio. Uh, at the end of the day, but we also don't know if Colton Wong is going to be hitting at the top of the lineup, whatever. But um, France is a guy that that's very versatile in terms of how you can deploy him within the lineup uh, because he can kind of do it all. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Colton Wong here. He's the new guy. He's one of the few new faces that are going to be on this 26-man roster for the Mariners. Uh, they, of course, acquired him from the Brewers this offseason. And a deal that sent Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro to Milwaukee. He's got a year left on his contract. He made a swing change back before the 2021 season. And that's shown up quite a bit here over the last two years. 110 WRC plus, 117 WRC plus in each of the last two seasons. That Those are career highs for him. He has been worth 5 F4 over the last two seasons. Um and uh, the, the, the concerning thing here, though, is, is the defense, right? He was a perennial gold glove candidate. Well, it might be a concern. We'll, we'll get into that. But 
He's been a perennial gold glove contender, or he was a perennial gold glove contender with the Cardinals. Uh, but the defense has kind of fallen off, at least by the metrics in Milwaukee, was first and outs above average this past season. I don't think he's that bad, man. Like, I, I just, I don't buy that. And look, like, we can also say, like, you know, Perry Hill's going to fix him and all that stuff. And, and sure, Perry Hill's proven to be a wizard with these infielders in Seattle. But I just, I also don't think that if we see an improvement in the metrics, the defensive metrics for Colton Wong, that it's necessarily an indication of that. It might be more so just an indication that his numbers the last couple of years have been a bit overblown. Cause I just, you don't see a guy. I don't think that he's a perennial gold glove candidate anymore, but you don't see a guy go from that to like one of the worst defensive players in all of baseball it just doesn't happen. And therefore I just don't buy that. So what do you think about Wong's defense? And, and then what do you think about what he's been able to do at the plate? the last couple of years not worried about the defense um i don't believe that a guy goes from above average to the worst uh you know to the worst second baseman in baseball in a one-year uh sample is is a real thing so um, i'm not concerned about the defense i think he'll be at least average probably a little bit above average um offensively it seems legit we're on we're on year three now i guess of, of this kind of new colton wong we'll see if he does it again, then it's year three, but he's entering year three of the new Colton Wong, Mm. uh, where there's some, you know, some good power, some good pop there. Um, some pretty good on base skills, some obviously a hit tool. Uh, and I also think that, you know, we shouldn't just assume that Colton Wong can't hit left-handed pitching because last year was kind of an outlier in that regard too, along with his defense. So I don't want to assume that Wong can't play defense anymore. I don't want to assume that he can't hit lefties anymore. Uh, but I, I do feel okay assuming that he's going to put up roughly the same numbers he did last year. The, he's done it two years in a row. The swing change is legit. Um, so yeah. I see no reason to expect Colton Wong to regress massively. Um, okay. So I, I think, you know, at worst, he's a league average bat. He's a league average defender. He's got some pop. He's got some stolen base chops. Um, so I think he's at the very least, he's going to be a two win player uh, and probably around a 100 WRC plus guy on the on the low side and that's a significant improvement over what you had mm-hmm. at second base this past year with adam frazier and dylan moore and you know we'll see once more gets back from his injury if they platoon uh him and, and wong or if it's just kind of a timeshare and doesn't necessarily need to be a, a matchup platoon just more of a you know, one night Dylan Moore's playing, next night Colt Wong's playing, et cetera. We'll see how that all works out. Uh, let's talk about Eugenio Suarez, who uh, obviously brought the good vibes last year. Uh, amazing season for for Suarez in his first year with the Mariners. Ends up being the prize of that deal with the Reds uh, instead of Jesse Winker, who's obviously now in Milwaukee via the Colt Wong trade. Um, Suarez, who's still under uh, club control for the next three seasons, including this year, Slash 236, 332, 459 with a 131 WRC plus. He was worth 4.1 F4, 31 home runs, 87 RBI after a couple of really down years for him. And there were some things uh, outside of the game that were impacting him uh, those years. So maybe that's just an indication of of that kind of being those two years kind of being a fluke for him. Um, He was also really good defensively. And that's the thing that gets overlooked a lot with Suarez's 2022. Um, he was one of the better defensive third basemen in, in the American League this past year. Uh, that was massive after going from, you know, Kyle Seeger, who's, you know, obviously wasn't a, a gold glove contender over the last few years in, in Seattle, but 
was still, uh, you know, an above average to a, at least in an average glove uh, on the hot corner. So uh, that was uh, that was a massive kind of uh, unexpected thing that you got out of Suarez besides the obvious, you know, uh, eruption that he had offensively. So this is a guy that I've seen a lot kind of, um, you know, for, for fans uh, kind of predicting some sort of regression. Um, and I, I can understand why, given the last couple of years before 2022, but I still think that that this is still who Suarez is. He he's obviously coming off of a great WBC as well. Was huge for Venezuela during the tournament. Uh, I I still think that even if we do see some regression, he's still going to be an above average player for the Mariners, and that's huge. Yeah, um, and I, I think the power is always going to be there. Uh, I I think you know the ability to use the whole field is really nice and kind of an underrated part of. Gino's game, but yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be a four win player again. Um, sure. I think, you know, right around three though, is certainly possible. And if he did, if he was a four win player again, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I just think that, you know, he's a little bit older, obviously than he was last year. Uh, defense, I think is going to be solid, uh, probably not spectacular, but solid. I, I, I just think Gino's relatively as weird as it is, I think he's relatively safe. I think his production is something you can take to the bank. He's probably going to hit, assuming he's healthy, he's probably going to hit 30 home runs. He's probably going to, you know, strike out over 30% of the time, but he'll draw his walks. He'll get his hits, his doubles, his RBIs. Um, I, I think Gino is is going to be just fine. I, I really think right. that third base, I, I would be shocked if, if we got into July and the Mariners were looking at third base and being like, man, we have to upgrade at third base. I, I think if they get an opportunity, they might consider it, but I don't think they're going to be have to press the issue because I think Gino's going to be, you know, 110, 115 WRC plus guy at least. All right. We'll be talking JP Crawford, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, Mason McCoy uh, in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-D-O-N to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And you're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Let's talk about J.P. Crawford, who spent a lot of his time this offseason over at Driveline, like a lot of Mariners players. Uh, worked on his swing a little bit. Uh, hasn't had a very good spring, though, at uh, at the plate, and is now dealing with what the Mariners called a soggy shoulder. He DH for a couple of days after returning to the lineup and then has been back at shortstop for, I believe, two games uh, since then, uh, as of today, as of Tuesday, uh, maybe one game. I don't remember exactly, but um, he has played shortstop again since the shoulder thing has been brought up. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's still a very concerning thing. You guys know what our feelings are on this and the Mariners needing to potentially go out into the trade market and add instead of just waiting to see, especially with Dylan Moore's injury. And we're going to get to more in a second, but uh, let's just talk about Crawford. Let's just assume that he's healthy for now. Let's just assume that he's, he's okay. He's ready to go for opening day. He got off to a really hot start. 
in the first half of the season, really the first month of the season, and then kind of teetered off and was more or less J.P. Crawford at the plate for the rest of the year. Um, is that this is just who he is, right? Like there, there's nothing that that I, I, you're not putting a lot of stock into what he did over at Driveline, right? None. <laughs> Because uh, yeah. at the end of the day, J.P. Crawford still has average-ish bat speed. He still uh, doesn't have great hands uh, at the plate. Uh, so I, I just I don't see how he's going to generate more bat speed. I don't see how he's going to keep the bat in the zone longer than he does. And, and to me, that's just J.P. Crawford. Well, we've seen the last three years. He'll have one month where everything kind of goes his way, and you know he'll look like an all-star. And you'll oh, the breakout's coming for J.P. And then the rest of the year, he'll yeah. be you know. 10 to 15% below league average. And, and at the end of the year, we'll look up at the numbers and, and say, oh, well, he was a 100 WRC plus guy <laughs> because he had like right. the really hot six weeks and then he was mediocre to bad for the next 16 to 20 weeks. So I think that's just who JP is right. going to be. Um, and that's okay so long as the defense gets back into form. He had a down year defensively last year. A lot of that was injury related, yeah. uh, but he's already got a shoulder right now. So we'll see how that works but if jp crawford's going to be a 100 wrc plus bat and a bulk of that 100 is going to come in a six to eight week kind of stretch every year he needs to be above average with the glove to justify mm. playing every day and, and last year he wasn't so i think i think right. he'll, assuming health he probably will be this year I, I i don't think jp crawford's a bad shortstop all of a sudden but uh it certainly puts puts a lot of pressure on the glove if you're going to be as streaky of a hitter as jp is and if he is you know if he did take a full step back defensively like he did last year uh he's not an everyday player so a lot a lot of pressure rides to me on jp's glove not so much the bat i feel like that is what it okay. is yeah yeah because it's it, it it was rough at times last year mm -hmm. watching him play defense there was some really uncharacteristic moments for for jp uh who's been kind of a human highlight reel over at shortstop in the past so uh, that was pretty uh, pretty surprising development. Hopefully, that's just a fluke because of the injuries, like you said. Because um, yeah, like like you mentioned here, the the offense is not spectacular. It's not going to carry JP. He was a two forty three, three thirty nine, three thirty six uh, hitter this past year. That's a one hundred four WRC plus. That's fine. That's slightly above league average, very slightly. And he was worth two, you know, F four flat, mm -hmm. and a lot of that, you know, that that's his second highest uh, total in that category, uh, after being worth three point three wins uh, by Fangraph standards in in twenty twenty one, and that was mostly because of defense, right? And and Fangraphs also agrees that he was rough defensively. He went from a nine point six plus nine point six uh, defensive rating in twenty twenty one to a negative one point five, yeah, in twenty twenty two. Um. You know, he, he posted a career high in, in walk rate, 11.3%. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's that's good to see. You know, at least he's still getting on base at, a you know, an above average clip. Um, and he's not striking out a lot, 13.3% of the time this, no. this past year, which is a career low. But uh, the thing with JP that would make him such a more valuable player is if he didn't have the six to eight weeks stretch where he was a 140 WRC yeah. plus and then be a 70 for the rest of the year. If he could just, if he had six, months in a row where he 102 wrc plus the Mariners would be a lot better for it so hopefully that's yeah, that's what happens this year but no i don't think the driveline thing is going to make a difference i still don't like the swing i still don't like the setup but uh, yeah the 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 
clips that I've seen circulating on Twitter of him at driveline, the swing looks exactly the same, you know, and obviously we're not swing doctors. So the hand there's position probably is some the minor same. Tweaks. The bat yeah. wrap is the same. Like it just, he's just, he's just got the, the, he's just got a really janky swing. It's always looked very janky. It's always looked very unorthodox and it always has looked like it's not very conducive to hitting with any sort of consistency. No. There's a lot but, of holes in the current swing. So, yeah. So would love to be proven wrong mm-hmm. on this again, but uh, yeah, I just I I kind of feel like if anything, we're just going to see JP Crawford, right? The same JP Crawford we've seen essentially over the last three years in Seattle, yeah. offensively speaking. If you get twenty twenty one JP, it's a pretty good player though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about this bench. Uh, Dylan Moore is not going to be on the opening day roster. Uh, he is going to wind up missing all of spring training after having core surgery this offseason. Had a setback. We covered that on the show uh, last week. Uh, he's uh, been able to stick around, though, because um, he's been able to provide some value defensively on the base pass, and he's been a good hitter against lefties. Uh, overall, last year, 224, 368, 385 at the plate. They 126 WRC+. Plus. He was worth 2.1 F war, six home runs, 24 RBI. Struck out 29.4% of the time, but also walked 13.3% of the time. Uh, so he's been able to get on base quite a bit. Um, so really the big thing here, though, is how much is the loss of a full spring training going to impact him? How quickly are they going to try and rush him back? Because they've set this two to four week timeline on him with his uh, oblique injury. Um, he's going to need an extensive rehab. Uh, stint uh, whenever that does come uh, and then he's going to be essentially thrust into major league games again with not a lot of seasoning this offseason so I'm I'm worried about because look we saw Malik Smith of a few years uh, a few years back and I'm not trying to compare these two guys just in terms of players but like we saw Malik miss pretty much an entire spring training and it just killed his entire season and so yeah. I, I do have concerns about that for Dylan who is he's a low average hitter high on base guy doesn't provide a ton of pop. Uh, I, I just worry about that bat being more or less non-existent given the lack of reps that he's had yeah. uh, because he's already kind of on that fringe where it could go one way or the other for him. Yeah. I, I think the Mariners would be doing a huge disservice to both Dylan Moore and themselves. If they tried to rush Dylan Moore back onto this roster before at least may at some point, and that's if there's no setbacks. That's if it's only a two-week before you can pick up baseball activity thing. Um, I don't want to see Dylan Moore on this roster in mid-April. I think that's doing a disservice to, to Demo and yeah. to the Mariners. So, um, yeah, you're kind of in a tight spot. Again, this is why I think you need to go get somebody because there are a lot of people out there who are – Dylan Moore is probably going to be back in mid-April, and, and that's not good. That's not a selling point. The fact that you feel that you need to rush Demo back – at the extreme like limits of this time frame that's been given points to how little depth you have there, which is why you need to go and get somebody. So spare me the Mason McCoy thing. Spare me the Sam Haggerty can be the backup shortstop thing. Spare me. Oh, Dylan Moore will be back in April 15th and it'll be fine. That, that that's pathetic. Like that is, that is taking the easy way out. That's just, a, it's, it's wishful unrealistic. thinking. It's unrealistic. Like uh, that's that's what it is at the end of the day. It's not even wishful thinking. It's flat out unrealistic. That right. is not possible for him to come back in mid-April after missing an entire spring training, an entire off season, oblique injury. Yeah, an entire off season. Really, you know, after having core surgery and now an oblique injury, like, and then uh, to come back in mid-April after what I'm going to assume 
is only a few games, uh, you know, on mm-hmm. his rehab stint in that particular instance, he's not going to be a, a productive major leaguer. You can't expect that at all. That's completely no. unfair to him. And that, again, that's, that doesn't fall on him. <laughs> that falls on the team mm-hmm. for making that decision, for allowing that to happen, if that's what their plan ultimately is here. So I plead with the Mariners here to not do that, to give Demo the proper time to get his legs back under him because he hasn't played in real major league games in, in quite some time. So he, he's going to need a, a little while here. And I I don't think that he should be playing for this team until the end of April at the earliest. Very, very earliest. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah. So let's talk about Sam Haggerty. We'll, we'll also talk about him in our outfield preview tomorrow because he more so kind of fits in that line because they haven't really wanted him to play in the infield much, at least last year. They, they kind of avoided him playing second base or shortstop like the plug. Um, obviously had a, a, a mini breakout in the middle of the season, pretty much during the, the win streak, the 14 game win streak overall though, finishes the year, uh, 256, 335, 403, uh, with a 1.5 F four. That's a 114 WRC plus five home runs, 23 RBI, 13 steals. Um, he's coming off of a, a groin injury and, and fortunately he's been able to, to make it back early on in spring and he's played pretty consistently. So it looks like he's full go. He'll be a part of this thing, uh, to start the year. Uh, so ham swaggerty in 2023, what are your, uh, expectations for him? He'll be worse than he was last year. Once the Mar- and, and once the Mariners, what indicates that to you? Well, once the Mariners started to use him regularly towards the end of the year, he mm-hmm. sucked to be quite frank. Mm. Um, I think he can still hit lefties. The swing against, you know, left-handed pitching when he's sitting right-handed is, is pretty decent. Um, and he's got some pop from that side too. Uh, I don't think he can hit right-handed pitching. Uh, I don't think that the 404 slugging percentage is realistic at all. He's just not that guy. Uh, I think this is a guy who kind of, you know, comes up in, in small uh, small stretches and, and you know, he can hit a fastball a little bit. He can hit the breaking ball right. a little bit. But once you start to game plan for him, once you start to see more and more reps from him, he becomes easier and easier to pitch to. You know, the elevated fastballs are just blown by him from the left side. He has no shot against that pitch with his current swing. Um, so to me, he's a pretty strict platoon slash, you know, pinch runner. And, you know, I, yeah. I think he's decent in the outfield, but he is not as good as some people make him out to be because, you know, Haggerty will make these great catches and you go back and you watch them and it's because he took a bad route or because he got a bad jump. He's not, sure. he's not a natural outfielder. So yeah. he, yeah, he, his role on this team really is pinch running late game defensive replacement if they need it. Right. If he, if you feel he's a slight upgrade, maybe they feel he's a slight upgrade over someone like Tay Oscar. Maybe. You know, in the ninth or something like that. You should always um, be looking to do better than Sam Haggerty. Is that's the type of player Sam Haggerty? Like, if he's on the roster, fine. He's a twenty-six man, right? And so yeah. he should never. You should never feel like, oh, I have to keep Sam on my roster. He's not that guy. Now, if he comes out and, and he does what he did last year, he puts up the same slash line, but over the course of an entire season, then we can have a conversation. But like you said last year, it was yeah. pretty much a three-week stretch and then little isolated pockets where he would have a good, you know, two games and then it would be 0 for 7 with three strikeouts. And, and you know, it's just – Sure. He's, he's a bench guy. He's a – to me, he is a solid 4A, like he's your 26 man. You're going to carry him for a year. Fine, whatever. 
but you should always look to upgrade that spot. I just, I don't know. Like I like Ham Swaggerty. He's a fun player. Uh, you can certainly steal bags. Speed's legit. Some pop from the right side. I think he can hit lefty pitching a little bit, but he's just, he's a zero from one side of the plate and it's the, the side of the plate. You kind of need him to, to produce if he's going to be, you know, even a fringe regular to me, but I'd love to be wrong because Haggerty is, he's a lot of fun to watch when he's on. So let's do some house cleaning here real quick. Uh, Tommy Listella has returned. Uh, he's played in a couple of games, but he's hitting, you know, he's not playing defense. So we haven't seen him in the field at all. Nope. Uh, we don't know if that's a viable option at all for him. Uh, he seems like he's on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Moran also seems like he's on the outside looking yep. in. Had kind of a nice start to spring, but has tailed off uh, as of late. Um, he's on a minor league deal. We'll see what the agreement is there if he has an opt-out or not, if he doesn't make the club, uh, which is what's expected. And then Mason McCoy might be the bigger benefactor here of Dylan Moore's injury because he can actually play shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good defender like that yep. that part i have no issue with uh in terms of mccoy it's just the bat is nothing um i know he's had a good spring at the plate but he hasn't hit for a 100 plus wrc plus in the minor leagues since 2019 2019 in double a he was 99 wrc plus 2021 in AAA with the orioles he was a 74 wrc plus and then this past year in AAA with the Mariners, 96 WRC+. Plus. Yeah, he's a 26, 27-year-old who couldn't crush the PCL. Yeah. He's not a major league quality bat. Yeah, I just, I don't buy it at all, uh, personally. You know, no offense to, to Mason McCoy. Um, at mm-hmm. the very least, he'll, he'll give them some value defensively uh, on the days that he's out there if he does make this roster because he he's likely going to play probably once a week. Um but that's about it. You know, you yeah. shouldn't expect really anything out of him offensively. So that's about it for our infield preview here. Um, I know a lot of it was very much like not necessarily concern trolling, but there are question marks with a lot of these guys. There's a lot of, you know, ifs uh, with, uh, you know, in terms of health and in terms of just, you know, with a guy like JP Crawford, where you, you don't really know what you're going to get. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see out of this infield. There's certainly a lot of talent here. Um, and so that catching spot though, that we talked about at the top of the show, really fun to think about if, if everyone stays healthy in there, that's a, that's a really good situation for the Mariners moving forward. So that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at Lockdown Mariners. That's one word, Lockdown Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like us part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace